0: Hey, and welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the Mayor Heath Sharon and the host of this podcast. I'm excited today. I've got a great guest on, and I won't waste too much time. He's an old friend. He's someone I've gotten to know through the insurance industry, and he's got just a lot to say, and he comes from a company background, an underwriting background, a management background, and now he's selling insurance. So he's got a great perspective, and I think you're going to really enjoy our conversation. Today I've got Cash McMillan. He is a producer at the Cash & Company in downtown Little Rock, and he has got a lot to tell us about. He just celebrated his one-year anniversary as a producer. So I wanted to bring him on and tell us what he thought about his first year as a producer and uh, where he sees his future going from here. I really think you're going to enjoy our conversation. So it is without further ado, I bring to you my man, Cash McMillan. Cash McMillan, what's happening, brother? Hey, great to be here, buddy. Man, I'm glad you're here, and I'm f- glad I get you on the phone. Let me ask you real quick before we get started: Have you smoked anything good lately, or have you uh, grilled anything good lately? I understand you're big into that.
1: Oh, cooking barbecue all the time. Usually, about every week, we've got the smoker going and cooking pork butts or briskets, uh, maybe some ribs. We've been doing a lot of cheese lately. Cheese, uh, so a lot of fun. Yeah, Well,
0: that's cool. I didn't, I didn't know you were into that. I knew you were into the meat, so I didn't know you were into cheese. Let's talk about that off air. Yeah, I do. I do need a, a grilling lesson someday because I hear you're the grill master. So that's something that we're going to have to do someday.
1: Let me know when I'm good. I'll come
0: down to downtown North Worcester and we'll get it going. That's right. <laughs> we'll do it. Well, do me a favor real quick, Cash. Let's walk down memory lane and let's tell a little bit about your past and uh, your history there.
1: All right. Well, um, I've had kind of a, a very strange path, uh, career path. Um I didn't intend on going into insurance, much like a lot of people in the industry. Um, I wanted to be a physical therapist when I grew up. As it turns out, I'm not very good at science. I've got to work really hard for bees.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good. We have that in common.
1: Yeah. So uh, after my... Third or fourth maybe attempt at chemistry, um, I decided, you know, I'm gonna finish this bachelor's degree. I'm, I'm gonna get this done, but I don't know that this is exactly for me. I didn't know what was for me at the time. And uh, one of my best friends in the world went to uh, UCA's College of, of uh, Insurance Risk Management. He was an underwriter at a, at a carrier at, in Conway. And uh, he helped me get a job took a giant pay cut and and I started as a, as a raider for Crumb and Forrester um, knowing that there was a future, you know, there was growth. Um, there was opportunity. So one of the best decisions I've ever made um, from there, I tried to get my hands on any training, any uh, classes uh, that I could and worked my way uh, into underwriting department, uh, assistant underwriting and, uh, and from there, got an opportunity to go to Union Standard uh, as an underwriter trainee. Uh, everywhere I've worked, CRUM was a great, uh, great environment uh, for learning, learned, you know, I didn't even know what, how to spell insurance when I got to CRUM Forster So they, very good training, very good opportunity, uh, moved over to Union Standard and got involved with, uh, with the, the association's uh, the PIA, the big I, and, uh, was able to meet a lot of awesome people in the state of Arkansas. That's, that's kind of why I'm here. I feel like is, is the, the associations and the people that I've met and the mentors that I've had. Um, I was at, uh, Union Standard for about three years and, uh, got an opportunity to lead a branch, um, for, uh, Bitco insurance companies. And, uh, I've Took that opportunity and uh, led that branch, the underwriting department uh, in, here in Little Rock. And um, that's a fantastic company out of uh, out of Iowa. And uh, that lasted about a year um, until I was uh, presented with an opportunity to to join the uh, independent agents uh, side of the world, which brings me to kind of where I am now to
0: date well there you go so now me knowing this and some of my audience may not know because union standard and bitco are both regional carriers and they're both commercial only carriers am i correct that's correct and going back to even you know Crum and Forster, you were working on commercial stuff only correct
1: that's correct
0: so you know going through that and learning so much commercial insurance um and doing a good job, and obviously being presented with an opportunity, you know, for management at at Bitco, was that a tough transition for you, or was that something that was hard for you to go from a successful career in underwriting to jumping headfirst into agency world? What was that like? What was your what was going through your head in that?
1: Well, I was uh, I was not unhappy at, at any of the places that I've I've worked. In fact, I loved it. At, at Union Standard and Bitco on the underwriting side. I enjoyed what I did. Um, I, was, uh, I was presented with an opportunity to, to come on the agency side and I saw it as an opportunity to play to my strengths. So I'm more of a social human being than, than most, I guess. Um, I like working with people. Growing up in a small town in Arkansas, um, you know, I was expected to talk to my dad's friends and my grandfather's friends and, you know, all that. I I love talking to people. I love helping people. And on the underwriting side, you work with with agents and agencies um, and you don't get to work with the general public. And given my, my training, my knowledge and and experience, I saw an opportunity that, that I can use this knowledge to help people. I can use this to um, educate insurers on what they should know instead of uh, what's being sold to them by some people. So I saw it as a, as a fantastic opportunity and I felt like I would be, um, it would fit really well with my personality.
0: Yeah. For me, um, Going from gosh, 12 to 15 years on the company side, for me, it was a, a scratch, an itch. I had to scratch, a scratch, I had to itch. How do you say that? An itch I had to scratch. And it was something that I knew if I didn't do it, if I didn't jump out there, because I thought to myself as a company guy watching these agents and helping them, I thought, I can do this. I've seen enough. I know what needs to be done. I know how to do it in my head. I had to scratch that itch. Was that something for you it was similar? like. It was something you've always wanted to do since you got in the business or this presented itself and you thought, oh, I'll give it a shot.
1: It's not anything that I ever took as we're going to try this for a while. When I made the decision to come to the to the uh, cashing company, um, I in it for the long haul. Um, you know, it's a decision that that I see a future in that I've already um, gained confidence in with some of the successes that that I've had so far. Uh, we have a great team, you know, I was, um, comfortable with the, the team that we have, the leadership that we have. Um, you know, when I, when I sat down with Matt Cashin and, uh, and we hit it off and started talking, um, I'm a firm believer in, you believe in the person that you're working with and, and not the particular, um, business, right. You trust you trust the, right.
0: No, you're, you're exactly right. And that culture is yeah. huge. Yeah, And it's hard not to like Matt Cashin. <laughs> that guy's just got a, a dynamic personality. He's fun to talk to. He's a good leader, and he's very involved in the associations, as you mentioned before. So that's that's got to be something else that attracted you to, to working with Cashin, being involved in the association and the industry.
1: That's exactly right. And, and one of my pieces of advice to anybody, um, any student, at uca um, any high school kid looking for career advice any person that's been in the business for 10 years already i tell them find a mentor find multiple mentors and um whenever you can find someone that that can help you grow and learn and lead you um that that's the best training that you'll ever have. That's better than any college course or, or class that you could ever take.
0: I think it's interesting that you bring up that that mentorship. I'd like to to park here for just a minute because I think that's huge. I love that you said that because that's a missing piece that so many people don't have or they don't reach out to because they're either afraid to or they have apprehension to ask somebody or to find somebody like that. How did you, did you have that at Unit Standard as well? Did you have that at Bitco? Did you have that along the way at other places? Or is that something you wanted to seek out here because you didn't have it before?
1: Everywhere that I've worked in the insurance world,
0: I've, I've had a mentor. Um,
1: the, from the very first person that trained me on how to input uh, an insurance, a court application into a rating system was a mentor to me. Uh, my, my supervisors at, at, over the rating department at Crum and Forrester were mentors to me. Um, when I got to Union Standard, I had multiple mentors all, all across the company. Um, Tanya Amison, number one, um, she showed me tough love and didn't let me get away with anything. I mean, that was the best training that anyone could have. And, and then when you have Eugene Phillips and, and some of the, uh, my peers, um, Jesse Parsons, a, a few friends like that, Um, it's just the best training that you can have everything that I know in the insurance world I'd say everything I've taken classes and uh, CIC and things like that of course but um, most of the things that I know how to do someone taught me or helped me along the way and same at Bitco Um, you know the the leaders before me um, uh, Jesse Wire, especially um, just great mentors to have and I think that's the number one thing that, that you could tell someone looking to grow.
0: Yeah, I I would agree completely. And, I, and I've looked back, as you're saying this, I'm going down the nostalgia lane in my head and thinking of all the mentors that I've had along the way and some of the people that have really influenced me. And you're right. It's some of the best training you can get. And, and once you find someone like that, whether it's, you know, a boss or a friend or a, a coworker, when you can get to that relationship where you can ask for opinions, ask for advice when you become, you know, close to them in a way that you can uh, really confide in them, it really, it surely does help a lot. And uh, I appreciate you, you going that route um, with me here. So I think it's really good content for people to hear. Um, going back to cashing, uh and where you're at there now. One thing about Cashin Company for those, uh, as we were talking prior, for that uh, percentage of people listening in the UK that may not know who Cashin is. Uh, they're very niche focused. Uh, is that something also that drew you?
1: Historically, of course, the agency has been uh, niche focused in the construction and surety bond uh, industry, and uh, there's there's a lot of great opportunities that that come from being in that world for so long. But there's also the freedom to go after anything that that uh, that I know how to write. Right. So, um, it's not just, uh, completely niche focused, but you can't help but, uh, but look for opportunities that, that are within that niche in the construction world, in, in the trades. And, uh, that's kind of what led me to the, the HVAC, uh, industry. Um, do a lot of work with, with them, but I've, I've also, uh, worked with some other associations, um, some program business that, that I've been, um, uh, uh, involved with. Through my, uh, through my underwriting
0: days. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Okay, so being an underwriter and people that are listening, Cash was actually my underwriter when I was an agent. And so it was fun to be able to work with him at that level and build our relationship even further. And, um, you know, did that training and that knowledge you had in your head of being an underwriter, does that help you a lot um, in what you're doing now? And part B of this question, I really want to – focus here for a second if you can is there any advice from an underwriter standpoint that you could give an agent listening right now whether a principal a csr or an agent to help them in that relationship with their underwriter
1: absolutely so the the underwriting knowledge that that i'm the experiences that i've had and, and the coverage and the the company relationships that's the majority of of what i lean on uh, for expertise um, i kind of like the fact that I'm I'm not classically trained in sales right um it's been it's almost like I'm I'm naive or ignorant of sales tactics and that's fantastic because not (laughs) everyone everyone likes a a salesman right I can I can approach it more um from a an advice and and counselor type uh type angle you know
0: I got to stop you for a second. I remember you and I sitting down at breakfast one morning when, when you first started and you were, you know, asking a little bit of advice and talking about a few things. And one of the things you and I discussed before we left there was what you're saying right now, a year later, by the way, happy anniversary, at one year at cash now on the independent agency side. But you and I were talking about that. And I, and I remember talking to you about don't try to be a salesman. You focus on what you're good at and, you know, being able to have that expertise and being able to give that advice yeah. a lot of Salespeople may not have some of the best salesmen out there that I've called on for all these years. You know they rely heavily on their CSRs and the back office staff to have the knowledge, and they just know how to bring it in the door. So I think it's cool to see a year later you're still focusing on those things. So sorry, go back to what you were saying.
1: Well, and I wanted to kind of before I get back to part B of that question, I want to kind of piggyback off of what you're saying. I don't want to discount at all our our back office. I don't uh, I don't do the hard work. Um, our support staff are phenomenal. Uh, I, none of us producers at the agency could do what we do without them. And, uh, they're some of the best that I know. And, and it would, I would be completely remiss if I didn't, uh, talk about how important they are to the operation and and what they do. I I always joke, you know, you guys are doing the hard work. Uh, You know, when a client says, you know, should I call my account manager on this? It's like, absolutely. They're the ones that do the real work. Right. And um, I, I can just supplement that the way I look at it is I just supplement that with, with uh, the insurance uh, experience that I've had, but back to, back to part B, I think, I think you asked, um, what advice would I give to a CSR or agent when when submitting new business to an underwriter or, or their submissions? Is that right?
0: Yeah, or working with them in general because that's a sometimes a huge miss in the industry. And you work with a lot of agencies, and I'm sure without calling any by name, there were some that you knew when those submissions came in or that phone rang. You were like, oh, geez, because they maybe not have understood how to work with that underwriter. Uh, just some practical advice you might be able to give there uh, before we dive back into your story
1: absolutely Um, you know from the underwriting desk what you want to see is obviously you hear complete submission you know what is that do I fill out every box on a court application do I send loss runs up front do I have a driver's list up front you know what what all is a complete submission and it's it differs from company to company. From the underwriting desk, I wanted to have a real conversation about what the risk was and could I do anything. And m- myself in particular, I didn't like communicating only through email. Um, when I could get the, I could see the objective part of the, of the submission. I could see the Accord app. I could see the loss runs. On paper, I knew what they were sending right? But I wanted the subjective. I wanted the, who, who are we working with here? What's their vision? What's their practice? Are they a quality operation or does this belong somewhere else? And, and from the underwriting desk, you want to have that trust and that relationship with, with the agent. And that's what I've tried to do in my first year on the agency side is, is number one, provide that subjective uh, information to underwriters, give them what they need, it, even if I don't agree with what they're asking for. Um, and, and number three, uh, build that relationship over the phone. Uh, give them accurate information because if you, obviously your reputation is everything. So uh, if anything's incorrect, um, it's going to come back to bite you. And so uh, honest to a fault and, uh, and have those phone conversations. Build that relationship and that trust and, and prove it. Prove something every day to somebody that, that you're worth your word.
0: Yeah, I I felt like um, as a commercial agent um, for several years, uh, I had, in my opinion, one of the best CSRs in the business. And she was so good. Shout out to Sydney. She was so good at putting together narrative and telling you the story um, of, you know, here's who they are, how long they've been in business. Here's what some losses you might see on the loss runs. Here's an explanation. Uh, I'm sure you would agree uh, that Sydney was really good at that. But is that something you would tell other CSRs or agents to be looking for to do as well, as well as a phone call? Or in addition to the phone call, uh, is that something else you would say to do?
1: And honestly, you need to have the relationship with your underwriter to know what they like best. So it could be different. I'm not going to give a blanket statement. Um, Okay. Yeah. That's good. Up front. But I think your relationship with your underwriters or or your marketing reps, however, companies are set up um, that you should know. know them well enough that does it take a phone call does it take me typing out a page long story of this this risk or um or should i just uh, shoot him a text you know I, uh, you can run the gamut of of marketing to to a company as an agent and that's one of the 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 big um uh, selling points of an independent agency is to have those relationships with multiple companies. So you can find the best fit for your client, obviously, and to have those strong relationships. I
0: think that's key. So communication, finding out that way of communicating with your underwriter is huge. And so I I hear that from you and I, and I appreciate that. Uh, I love that. Um, So now again, moving away from the company side, now we're now you're an agent. And like I said, a minute ago one year now, um, walk me through just, you know, a little bit high level of what that first year has been like for you transitioning from company to agent, you know, you don't have to give me specific success stories, but, uh, just, you know, what's that been like for you, um, as a, as an agent now?
1: It's been awesome. It has been encouraging and, um, I've, I've loved it. Uh, I've loved the the decision. I've, I've never looked back. Um, I've enjoyed, uh, Meeting all the the new people that I've met along the way, uh, I learn something new every day that I didn't I didn't know before, and I want to keep that attitude going forward. Um, I'm I'm never going to know it all, and I'm going to try to learn something new every day. Um, but I'm I'm encouraged by by our our agency staff that have that have helped me along the way, by the other producers at the agency, by the leadership uh, in the agency that. To lean on their their experiences and, and expertise and uh, it's it 's just been very encouraging and i 've loved the the, uh, the team effort at the cash and Company. I mean everyone works together um, we don 't seem to have the issues that that places have have had in the past with with drama or anything like that it's It really truly is a team effort and a great culture
0: and i 've loved it. And I love that you said that. So now, um, now that you've been there a year uh, and you've been, like you said earlier, you've gotten the freedom to be able to to do what you want, go after what you want, but I still know just from knowing you and talking to you, you still write quite a bit of contractor heavy accounts and you're still involved in that, whether it's HVAC or builders or whatnot. Uh, Is there something that you feel like, without giving your tricks and tips away, but that you're doing differently or that you're doing to aid in those contractors, uh, whether it's subcontractor agreements or, you know, helping them with payroll, something like that. Is there anything like that that you could share with the audience a little bit?
1: Yeah. Without getting into too much detail. Um, one of my, my soap boxes is uh, risk transfer counseling, the customers on basically risk transfer, um, how to properly do that, uh, as a contractor, um, utilizing, utilizing those risk transfer tools, uh, also setting their expectations, uh, on audits. You know, a lot of people don't, um, I've found that, that a lot of, of prospects don't, uh, don't know how to, how to properly set those, um, those estimates to, to prevent problems at audit. So I like to try to do that upfront, um, and, and just selling through education. Um, you know, it, I feel like if I can, if I can teach, uh, the more I can teach someone about uh, the process, um, the better the risk will be. First of all, and the better I can sell it to a company, and and the better that I can uh, sell it to them, um, sell a quote to them. So, you know, selling through education is is kind of a way to sum that up. Um, and uh, what I've found is there's there's a big void in the market of of prospects that that haven't ever been educated properly and that that's what i enjoy doing
0: yeah i I found that and i wish i would have known some of this more you know back when i was an agent but i found that the more successful agents are the ones that will walk the prospect or the client potential client through exactly how the process is going to work here's what's going to look like here's the roadmap to what i need what you're going to need what you're going to do and i think like you just said a minute ago transparency honesty you know, teaching them along the way, that helps a lot. And for so many years, people were shied away from that. And they wanted to keep it kind of hidden a little bit. But I think that what you're saying is correct. And, and I, I think you would agree with me that um, to be that transparency and lay that roadmap out of here's what's going to happen. Here's the process. Correct?
1: Yeah. And that, that makes people feel more comfortable with you that, that you have that transparency and they feel like they've learned something at the end of the day and that will, Will ultimately help them
0: yeah i think agents were so afraid for a long time of if they explain the process then they would you know it would hurt their chances of winning the account or they, they shouldn't do that and so i think nowadays if agents are listening to this if you could do that and lay that out there and be a little more transparent uh i think that helps a lot um so uh that that's really cool and i think that the uh the audit process is another thing that, like you said earlier, is something that's just not understood by a lot. Not even a lot of agents understand that, so if you could walk them through that process, that causes the biggest headaches with contractors
1: to me that's the that's one of the number one causes of of conflict you know between uh, agent representative and the the customer. Um, so if you can kind of counsel them through that process and and know what that's going to look like and prepare them for that, the better, uh, it is for the relationship.
0: You have a wife and two children, correct? Correct. Tell me, okay. So tell me how old your kids are. Uh, tell me, um, what she does something like that a little bit.
1: Um, I have a nine year old and a five year old, um, Carter and will. And, um, I have a amazing wife, Kenzie. Um, she she works in the in the medical field, and uh, <clears throat> and we live here in here in Central Arkansas.
0: And she has a little. and Y'all have a little side hustle business as well um, with, with your meats that you talked about, and some other things that she's doing, right?
1: Yes. So essentially, uh, I've been playing around with tinkering with barbecue and and. Smoked meats and things like that since I was a kid, and and uh, when we got married, she she's an excellent chef cook uh, within her own right, and she kind of grew that. Uh, Kenzie kind of took the lead and grew that into a a, a business, a catering business, and uh, McMillan's Farm and Flame, and um, she she loves uh, doing that. We've we've got fresh eggs. We've got 24 chickens. We've got two acres of blackberries that when they're in season, it's just all you can do to keep those picked. Um, it's it's a lot of fun.
0: So a, a couple questions I have after you mentioned some of that. Uh, first question I would have, could you ever see that turning into a niche for you going after maybe some far, farming or hobby farms or even, you know, restaurants, catering, anything like that? Or is that something you want to keep just for you as a, as a hobby on the side? Oh,
1: absolutely. Um, it, it is. And the more that grows, the more opportunities that we'll have to, to meet some of those people in that, in that industry. Um, I, I love that, that type of business, the, yeah. the farm to plate type, uh, industry is growing. Yeah, it is. Uh, and, and I love the, uh, the people that I know that own those farms are some of the best people in the world. And, and those are the types of people that I want to do business with.
0: Yeah. I think that would be smart of you. Since you now, not only do you understand it from an underwriting standpoint, but you're in that business. So you know how to speak their language and you can compare stories and talk about it. So I just wonder if that was something you might get into one day. The second part of, you know, as you talk about your family a little bit and I was guiding you down this road for a reason, but I wonder every day, you know, Cash and I are, are personal friends, and I wonder every day how in the world do you balance all that with two children, a wife, a side hustle, her job, COVID, the whole nine. Do you do you have any any advice on that or how you do that? What are you just a, a superhero when it comes to time management? What's the deal there?
1: Oh, uh, I don't have a good answer for that, Heath. I just I just take them as they come. Um, I I work I work with a great agency that that uh, is flexible, uh, that offers freedom to have a great work-life balance. Uh, the cash and company is, is family oriented. Uh, family comes first. And uh, so they're, they're great about the work-life balance and, and all that. But at the same time, you know, I have a great family uh, that supports me. If I, if I need to pick up and, and travel to go see someone at a minute's notice that there's, uh, I know things are taken care of and and that they understand. So There's a lot of love, a lot of trust in in both directions there. And so it it just works itself out. I don't have a magic answer for that one.
0: (laughs) Man, I was really hoping you did because I look at you and I see your stuff on Facebook and we talk on a regular basis. I'm like, how in the world do you do that? Is there routines that you have to get into? Are you a routine type person or you just kind of each day fly by the seat of your pants?
1: I'll be perfectly honest with you. (laughs) I'm not a routine uh, person. I, I really um, I don't ever mow the yard the same direction every time. Um, <laughs> I try to take different routes to work. Um, I, I don't like doing the same thing over and over the same way. Uh, it's just okay. something weird about me. So, no, I, I fly by the seat of my pants when it comes to, to routine, and I think it keeps things more interesting. It it uh, I may be a little bit uh, ADHD when it comes to that, but <laughs> – um, I, I can still, uh, try to get a lot done.
0: So um, if you want to be successful in the insurance industry and you're listening to this, you don't have to have it all down. Perfect. You don't have to have any kind of routine. Uh, you just got to work hard, correct? Work hard,
1: be a good person and, uh, and be yourself. Um, there you go. Those are the three uh, best pieces of advice that I've ever had.
0: Okay. And we're going to get, I'm going to get to more than that here in a few minutes. But I did want to, you've mentioned the associations that you've been involved with. And I know that Cashin is a a member of both the local associations here, but also know because I serve on a board of directors with you, uh, with Young Insurance Professionals. uh, You you were one of the ones who helped champion uh, a specific event that's near and dear to your heart. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that? Absolutely.
1: Um, So I forget, maybe... Three or four years ago, we were sitting in a, in a young insurance professionals board meeting through the PIA, and the topic was brought up, <clears throat> uh, what events can we do uh, throughout the year that uh, would be engaging to membership and that, pe- that agency principals would want to send their, their staff to? For, for growth and development. And, you know, every association has has mixers and meetups and, you know, where you just sit around and talk, but what could provide some value and me being naive at the time, not realizing I was, I was creating a job for myself. Right. I, I raised my hand. And I said, what about like a, you ever heard of Toastmasters um, where it's like public speaking uh, practice and well, tell me a little bit more. Um, I believe Stacey uh, asked. And, and so I kind of describe you have you have um, some prepared speakers to give five minute speeches. You you do some impromptu activities where you ask people to come up and you give them a topic on the spot and they talk for 60 seconds and do a group activities, leadership building, make people uncomfortable. And I remember the president of the IT board at the time, Steve bachelor pointed directly right between my eyes and said, that's what I would send my staff to. And Stacy looked at me and pointed at at the same spot in between my eyes and said, great idea do it.
0: And that's so, typical Stacy fashion. <laughs> I right. like that. You're been voluntold to do it.
1: Yeah. Voluntold. Um, but it's been one of the best and most rewarding things that I've done, uh, in my career because it, it couples together, uh, The education piece that I was talking about earlier. Um, We're, we've been, uh, we've done these events in uh, three corners of the state. uh, And here, most recently, we've been focusing it uh, with, uh, to University of Central Arkansas's insurance and risk management program. So we're incorporating the students that are in college studying to be insurance professionals, trying to grow and develop them. And the event is, it checks a lot of boxes. Um, It's not easy to organize because um, public speaking is the number one fear in the world. You can't just ask someone to come give a speech in this room in front of 50 people and then just say, yeah, sure, I'll do that. You have to really press them. And uh, that's the goal is to make people uncomfortable, get them out of their comfort zone, challenge them. And once they do it and they conquer that fear of public speaking, uh, I've seen people go from shaking nervous when we've asked them to get up and do a, a 60 second impromptu speaking to now asking if they can host one of the events. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable what it's done um, for, uh, for some people to get them out of their shell, to help them grow uh, as a leader. And it's also awesome to see the students get involved because you have a room full of 50 insurance professionals, people that are, are ready to hire these kids when, they're, when they graduate college. And to get them in the same room, to get those kids exposure in front of the uh, the people that are going to be hiring them for whether that's internships or full-time employment, it's it's really is a, a great um, melting pot, if you will, for insurance professionals.
0: Yeah, I agree, and. It's one of my favorite events that I've been able to be a part of with you and the Yip Board. And I remember, and I could say this to all agents, actually, before I get into I remember. (laughs) Um, If you can have the greatest knowledge in insurance, you could present a great presentation on paper to a potential insured or a prospect. But if you fumble through it, and you don't know what you're doing, uh, as far as speech wise, and you're um umming and uh and you know, you're fumbling through the whole thing, they're liable not to buy from you because they don't feel comfortable with you. If you don't feel comfortable in front of them. So if you're an agency principal in Arkansas and you've never been to a forum event, you ought to send somebody there because it's going to help you. But I remember even early on in my 20s when I was selling insurance, I would stand in front of the mirror and practice uh, because I would get so nervous before I'd go present a quote to somebody and it would be something i just watch myself and then when the cell phones came out with the record button, I would record myself and play that back and find out where I said, um, and uh, and I still do it today. I've done it a few minutes ago, but luckily I get to edit my ums out, but, um, <laughs> you go through that and it helps you as a producer. So I think that was a brilliant idea that you had, um, uh, back several years ago. And I'll never remember, i never remember, never forget, chills literally went down my spine when Steve looked at you and said, that's something that I would send my people to. Because we've been racking our brains forever trying to figure out how to add value, not just get someone drunk or not someone on the golf course or not put them in front of an awards dinner or a trade show. We were trying to figure out how to add value every day. And you found a way. Well, I can't
1: take all the credit for it. Um,
0: no, I will. I'll take some of it. <laughs>
1: Everyone in the room. <laughs> obviously, I just had the dumb idea and didn't realize that that I was going to get volunteered to to make it happen. But there were, uh, I think, twelve people in the room that that were kicking around ideas and took just that brainstorm session and ran with it and made it what it is today. And uh, I'm I'm proud to to just be a part of it. Stacy, uh, the the director of the PIA. Obviously, you're. Your sweetheart, she took a huge role in organizing that and, and getting sponsors. There's a lot that goes into the event to make it successful, and to integrate that into in a, into a public university and and a department is a, it's just a whole nother task. And luckily, Miss Cindy Burleson, she is uh, the head of that department. She's been awesome to work with and a huge proponent of the event, uh, integrating those students uh, with us and and it helps them to, to be one of the number one insurance and risk management programs in the country with a hundred percent job placement rate because, uh, because of her effort. So there's a lot of people that work really hard on that event. And I, I just, I'm lucky to be involved with it.
0: Yeah, I, I completely, I'm the same way with you. I feel like that is something that's huge and it's been a big deal in my career as a lot of people in Arkansas know. And I feel like I've earned the name, the mayor because even back in 2004 or five, when I first getting in and I was asked to be on the board of PIA early in my career, the executive director at the time, Linda, would constantly just say, hey, here's the mic. Go talk to people. And here I was, a 25, 26, 27-year-old kid, and she's handing me the mic to stand in front of three, 400 people. And I remember one year, I'd hired a comedian to come. I don't know if you were at a convention that year or not. But I hired a comedian to come in and do the awards dinner, and you know, kind of razz some people and have fun with it. And about ten minutes before, we had everything scripted out for him. About ten minutes before the event and before the awards dinner, which you got—you've been to awards dinner, three hundred people or plus dressed up into the nines, and they're ready to get their awards. This comedian comes to me that I hired, and he says, "I don't know how to read." Now I thought he was being funny. I was like, "Ah ha ha ha!" Here you go. And He goes, and he's a forty-something-year-old man. He goes. I'm illiterate. I don't know how to read. I was like, you got to be kidding me. And I said a few more choice words, I'm sure. But I was like, what? And Linda said, you're doing it. Heath. you're up. And so I had to lead the entire awards dinner, but had I not had that experience in speaking and come in front of people and been thrown into that, you know, like we're trying to do with people at these forum events, it would have never, I would have never been where I am today as far as that goes. And now I'm comfortable in front of anybody. And I've been asked to do some public speaking, teach some classes, and now I have a podcast where that's all I do is talk. Uh, so it's been good. So I would agree with you in what you said. Once you get that practice, and I know you're talking about in our, in our board that's now asking to do it. And the first time we put her on the spot to speak, she was freaking out. Yeah. And so it's so cool to see how far someone comes. Once you put them in that position.
1: Absolutely. And, and that goes back to the, kind of the mentor conversation. Uh, a mentor isn't there to just bounce questions off of and, and teach you what they know. It's to push you outside of your comfort zone to give you a task that you're not comfortable doing. And, and when you conquer that, it builds confidence and it builds uh, positive experiences that you're not scared to do anymore. That's part of being a, a good mentor.
0: Yeah, completely agree. And that's something's piggybacking off of that for a second. I'm glad you said that. Whether you're listening in, in Texas or Missouri or Tennessee and you don't have the form of it in Arkansas like we do, you could do this at your office. You could do this with your staff. Uh, it's something that's real simple to do. And at the end of the show, if Cash is cool with this, I'm going to have him give you his contact info. If you want to reach out to him and talk to him about it or, you know, you can reach out to me, you know, how to, uh, I'll give you Stacy's number as well, but I'm sure cash would like gladly walk you through how this works and what you can do in your agency or your company. Cause uh, mm-hmm. I could imagine even working with Bitco with underwriters, that might've been a cool thing for them to go through and how to talk to people and how to, you know, get through that public speaking. Uh, so I think that'd be a cool idea. Would you be willing to share your contact at the end of the show for that?
1: Absolutely. Anybody can, can contact me anytime. Um, and okay. I'll walk you through the the process, the, the, uh, I'll even give you my outline uh, by email if you want, so you can, uh, make it your own and, 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 uh, adapt it to what your purposes are for your own
0: staff internally. Awesome. Uh, so we've talked about the forum a little bit. Is there any other uh, things you want to talk about as far as your love for the associations and being involved in the industry and the family that we have? Whether you're in Arkansas or Tennessee or Texas, you know this. This business is small. The family is small, uh, and I just I know that's a big thing of yours. So, is there anything else you want to add to that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The value of the of the associations uh, is is priceless, in my opinion. Um, my exposure and to to people that I've met and to experiences that I've had involved with both associations in the state have been so valuable to me and uh, i've met some lifelong friends they've they've been we've had some great times we've they've been with me through some some really tough times and um i i'm thankful for for all of my uh, contacts and friends and experiences that i've had through the associations there's uh, there is no way i would be uh successful uh, as successful as I am today with, without having met some of the people I have through the associations.
0: Yeah, that's a huge soapbox of mine. And I, I love it, that I was able to have this with you because – I, I I've seen this in you, and I, and I know in my my case as well. The more you put into an association, the more you're going to get out of it. And if you're in another state or you're in Arkansas and you're not involved, plug in, ask questions, find ways to meet people and get involved. Because, like you know, like we just said, uh, you get out what you put in. And if you join, pay your dues, and you sit on the sidelines, then you're going to have those complaints of I don't get anything out of my association. Well, it's because you didn't put anything into it.
1: Right, it's a givers game. Uh, it really is, and and uh you know there it, it's up to you what you do give and the time that you devote to it um but you'll reap that back tenfold um it, if anyone out there is on the fence i would encourage you to to join an association join both associations because it's the people it's not the label it's not the name it's not uh it's not what you know or what you can uh what you can do it's at the end of the day the the question is who, who you know, and it's the people that you will meet that will, will change your life or support you or help you grow.
0: Yeah, you're exactly right. And and if you get an opportunity to be to serve on a board, do that because again, now I feel like Cash, you could probably call Steve in Fayetteville or you know, somebody in Paragold, Jonesboro, you know, South Arkansas and ask advice or even refer business to them or vice versa um, because you have those relationships you've built through the PIA, the big eye, YIPS, whatever it may be. Uh, and and I think that's crucial for so many people. If you have those mentors or those friends, you can call across the state or the other states for that matter. It can only be helpful.
1: Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree.
0: So, <laughs> you know, I just looked up at the timestamp and we've been going here for a little while. Um, so, uh, Again, I know that I could talk to you forever, but we talk every week anyway. But so do me this favor. My favorite segment of the show, and I say this every week so people are getting tired of it. Maybe I can edit that out. But I do love giving my my guest the floor. The dance floor is yours for a few minutes if you want it. And, And dance a little jig for me. Tell me what is on your mind, on your heart. Give me some something you could tell my audience that's on Cash McMillan's mind.
1: Well, uh, one of the one of my passions is is uh, is reading war stories. Honestly, uh, books about uh, Navy SEALs' experiences, uh, books about uh, infantry troops in Afghanistan, Iraq, and and the modern wars, and the you know all the way back to World War II. Um, I, I like to read a lot. I, one of my mentors uh, a few years ago told me, uh, leaders are readers. And, and as much as I fought against that when I was a kid in, in school, I did not like reading until I found things that I like to, to read. The book that has made the highest impact on my life and my mentality uh, is called Tribe by Sebastian Younger, J-U-N-G-E-R. Um, It's written by a war journalist who embedded with a platoon of soldiers stationed in the Korongal Valley, Afghanistan, in 2007, during the worst worst time in that uh, part of Afghanistan. Uh, At the time, this was arguably the most dangerous place in the world. Uh, Multiple books have been written on it, multiple uh, documentaries, movies. Um, These soldiers lost their friends to uh, death and injury. They were in constant danger. The platoon took fire on almost a daily basis. They were in very primitive living conditions located in an outpost, um, very little uh, amenities, and they were getting shot at every day. Uh, Sebastian was filming a documentary and writing a book about the experience uh, during the entire deployment. So uh, he tells about when the platoon returned to Germany after the deployment, he interviewed each of the soldiers uh, for a documentary. Documentary is called Restrepo. Uh, He made another documentary called Korengal. You can find them on different streaming services, Amazon, things like that. But they told their stories, they shed tears, they reflected on the experience. Uh, but at the end of each interview, these soldiers were asked uh, the same question, would you ever go back? And you wouldn't think many of them would say yes, but every one of them said yes. Where's the airplane? Where, when can I go back? Which at first glance seems crazy. Why would anyone voluntarily return to an environment like that? Um, but the point of the book, uh, tribe, which is only one of the books that Sebastian has written, he he wrote a book called War that details the experience. But the point of Tribe is, we as humans are are made for survival in in small groups of tight knit communities, uh, small groups of people all dependent on each other for survival, uh, for food, for security, for shelter. And we're when we're in that type of environment, we feel the most fulfilled. We feel the happiest. And we as a modern society aren't in that situation all the, all the time. Uh, we're very fortunate to not have to uh, worry about uh, food or shelter or safety because of the society that we live in as, as Americans. So when you take these struggles away, we have higher rates of anxiety, depression, uh, sometimes suicide, Um, And, but most of the time, just simple laziness, we get complacent. So this idea fundamentally changed the way that I think about those things in life and, and my career in particular, because uh, when you're coming out of college and you're going into a career, your goal is I want to find a career where I'm comfortable, where I'm not stressed, where uh, I have an easy job. Um, Those goals changed for me after reading this book and, and that premise uh, my goals changed to finding more challenges because if I can in, intentionally place challenges in front of me, uh, within my career and I conquer them and I'm, I'm successful at it, that's when I'm the most fulfilled. That's when I'm the happiest. That's when I'm most motivated. And the success takes care of itself along the way when you think of it in those terms.
0: I love that. And I love that you're a reader because you're right. Leaders are readers and readers are leaders. So that's really good. One of my mentors actually says that in his podcast every week. So I like that you shared that and uh, I wrote down the names of those books here. So I want to check those out. If there's some other readers there, check that out too. Now back to what I alluded to earlier, before we wrap up, I do want you to share your contact info, whatever you feel comfortable sharing with us. Uh, how to find you, whether it's email, phone, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it want to be, uh, share that information with the audience so they can reach out to you um, and you know connect with you.
1: Absolutely. Uh, my email is cash M-C-A-S-H, The letter M, as in Mike. At cashinco.com c-a-s-h-i-o-n-c-o.com um, you can best reach me that way uh, i have that email on me all the time uh, if you want to talk the forum uh, bounce ideas off of each other i'd love to hear from you um you can also like our our facebook page um, we're we are uh, focusing on creating content um, risk management content not just marketing content things that will help our customers um be better at what they do. Um, how to, how to avoid risk, things like that. So a lot of content on our Facebook page at, um, pages, the Cashin company. Um, it's pretty simple, uh, to get to like, share, um, send us a message and, uh, we'd love to hear from you.
0: And what about your little side hustle? Uh, can they kind of, do you got, can you ship meats? <sighs> we haven't shipped meats.
1: We've shipped uh, blackberry jam and we've shipped, uh, some smoked cheeses uh things like that um you can uh you can contact me I'll, I'll give my my phone number out for that um 501-581-1176 and uh there is an email address for that as well i don't have it in front of me uh like i said uh, Kenzie- i can
0: put it in the show notes
1: sure kenzie's the boss on that um but we have a, a Facebook page that's called Macmillan's Farm and Flame. Um, you can look that up on Facebook as well.
0: So, yeah, if you're in Central Arkansas or if you're in Arkansas at all, you might want to check that out. Uh, I was disappointed. My wife told me she was going to get you to, to smoke me a brisket or something for Father's Day, and I guess it didn't work out. So uh, <laughs> she owes me one. I'm going to have to make that happen sometime soon. So
1: uh, I owe you one. I don't know.
0: <laughs> we'll figure it out someday. Uh, Thank you again so much for coming on the show. I'm very proud of you, and uh, I love what you're doing. I love you, brother, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me, Heath. Love you guys, too. Yes, sir. Thank you guys so much for checking out my conversation today with Mr. Cash McMillan. It is my hopes that our content today brought value to you. And we hope every week that we bring value to your day. You know, it's it's my mission on this podcast to introduce you to all my friends in this industry and that we can make you a better insurance professional. Listen, guys, I appreciate the growth. I appreciate the love and the sharing and the subscribing and the liking on my Facebook page. It means the world to me. Keep all that going. If you have not hit subscribe yet, stop what you're doing right now. Go hit the subscribe button of where you're listening because it means every time something pops up or every time I release an episode, you're going to get to listen to it first. So do that for me. And I got to tell you, this podcast has been recorded, produced, and edited by my man Ryan over at Ready, Set, Podcast. They make it so easy for me. And I know they can do the same for you. Look them up, ready X Y Z, or you can look them up on Facebook or Instagram. Ready said podcast, turning your brilliant idea into a reality. Thanks again, guys, for hanging out with me in Insurance Town. And I look forward to seeing you next week.